Now these events come about when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's giving his last words to his disciples. And so um, we're going to be looking at this part of Scripture. I'm going to be reading this passage through and then we will um, play a little video clip which I should have played just before this, so I see there's confusion at the back there. Um, maybe let's just play that clip and then I'll come back to this part and then I can put them out their misery.
I want to look at this topic this morning of when God, when, when good is met with anger. When good is met with anger. We saw that illustration there of what men did to Jesus Christ. When good is met with anger. And so, let's read John chapter 15, verses 18. John chapter 15. Remember, these are Jesus' words to his disciples before the crucifixion. He's preparing them for what life's going to be like when he's no longer there. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, that is, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. And you will testify also, because you have been with Me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because... They have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. Late last year I was at the barbecue of a non-Christian friend, kind of a street party, and um, I was speaking to this guy, um, and we were having quite an animated conversation about, I can't even remember what it was about. And then he asked me, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor at the local church. His reaction? Oh my God. And he walked away. Just like it. Um, I've got over it. But the world does not like Christians. The world does not like Christians. They like some of what we do. They like the inventions that many Christians have brought about, but they do not like the message we bring. Mark Twain was a famous guy who said this. He said, religion was invented when the first con man met the first fool. Here's some other signs of, uh, some, some other inscriptions I've put up there for you. A sign. No Christians. This is a God-free zone. You kind of think sometimes that's what is in our parliament buildings. 
I wonder in your own life, have you encountered this rejection? From family, from friends, from colleagues at work? You might even have encountered anger against you because they found out that you're a Christian. When you've come with the good news of the gospel to someone, they've said, look, I don't believe in all that stuff. You just believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. Last time we met around God's Word, it was from the book of Luke, chapter 14, and Jesus there spoke about a cross that we are to take up if we are to be His followers. So, when we take up this cross and we follow Jesus, how do we then react when the good that we do or the good news that we bring to the world is rejected? And we're going to look at that this morning. How do we react to this rejection? You see, Jesus was about to expose himself to the full force of human rejection and hatred after healing so many people in those crowds. Think of his ministry on earth. After raising the dead to life. After providing food for thousands of people on those hillsides. After bringing them news that would save them from eternal death. After forgiving the sins of so many which the Bible records. The crowds, those very same crowds would come baying for the blood of Jesus Christ. That very same crowd would force the authorities to execute Jesus Christ. They rather wanted Barabbas, a sinner, an evil man. They rather wanted him freed. And they put Jesus to death in the cruelest way they could think of at that time. And that was a Roman cross. He brought good. They reacted with anger. And so in the passage today, Jesus warns his disciples and us, because we learn from what he was teaching them, right? He warns his disciples that the world would hate them. But he also tells them why the world would hate them, so that they would be ready and so that they would understand what was happening to them when it did happen. And so the word hate is going to feature quite a lot here today, because Jesus speaks about it. These disciples needed to know how to respond. That was going to be the reality of their lives when Jesus was no longer among them. And it was going to be the reality of their lives for quite a number of decades after that. So how were they to respond? Well, the reality was this. Firstly, we see in verses 18, Jesus saying to them, the world hates Jesus first. You might think they hate you first, but they hate Jesus first. And you are associated with him. That's why they hate you. You see, Jesus' disciples had witnessed this hatred towards Jesus firsthand. And shortly they would see Jesus nailed up before them. They would be first-hand witnesses. And as his disciples, that very same anger would then be directed from Jesus onto them. And that's why I read that passage earlier in Acts. Here these apostles do good to the people. And how do the religious authorities react? They put them in prison the very same men who were bringing the good news to people. Good news which could save them. And much worse was in store for these apostles. Much worse was in store for the disciples when Jesus was no longer with them. And we'll look at that shortly. And so the world hates the followers because they hate the leader. We need to remember that. 
If you're a Christian, the world might hate you because they hate the follower, the, the leader. They hate Jesus Christ first. Secondly, the world hates those who are different to them, verse 19. And this is where you might have experienced life too. The world hates you because you're different to them. You see, the nature of evil is it doesn't want to be exposed. Yes? And by you as a believer living as light in the darkness, evil stands out. And Jesus tells his disciples that he had saved them from this darkness to himself. Think of Peter, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter. What was he before Jesus saved him? He was a rough, uncouth fisherman. And he probably swore as most sailors do. Just seems to go with the profession. But he was known for his short temper. People steered clear of Peter because you don't mess with Peter. And Jesus saved him out of the darkness into the light. Think of Matthew. What was Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. And most tax collectors, I don't think you would find an honest one in Israel, most tax collectors were known for collecting more than they should have and keeping quite a bit for themselves. Upping the percentage. And Jesus saved Matthew the tax collector to life. Once they were lost, now they were found. Jesus reminding them. Once they were dead in sin, now he was making them alive in Christ. They were no longer part of the world of darkness. And that prerogative didn't come from them. They didn't go looking for Jesus. He found them. And because of this, Jesus says, the world will hate you. Why? You think differently to the world now. I don't even have to remind you how that works today. You think differently to the world. And the world notices. You act differently, hopefully, to the world. And the world sees, this person doesn't do what we're doing. Why? You have different priorities to the world as believers. And therefore, you stand out. And the world would like you to think like them because, because you're not doing it. Their deeds are being exposed. Their ways are being exposed. And therefore they hate the light. John chapter 3 verse 20 says, The world hates the light because evil is exposed by it. And everyone associated with light stands out. Just think of our own society today. Think how contra same-sex marriage, for instance, is. Think how contra to Christian thinking abortion is or euthanasia is. And aren't those the things the world is now pushing as priorities? And when you stand up against those things, you stand out. And the world doesn't like you. And so the world hates those who are different to them. Thirdly, you'll see in verses 20 to 21, what does Jesus say there? Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Were they keeping his word? The majority weren't. So were the majority going to keep the apostles' word? No, they weren't. They shouldn't be surprised, you see. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me, you see. So Jesus says to them, it's not about you, it's about me. They hate me, they hate my Father, they hate God. And that is why they don't accept what you're saying. So the world does not know God, is what Jesus is saying. 
And in those sins, they can't help acting the way they do. They're under the deception of Satan. They don't know God. They might know about God. There are many people in this world who know about God, but they don't know God. There's no relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why they act as they do. They're acting by their very natures. And their very natures are lost. So in a way, can we blame the world? We can't blame the world. But that should do something in us, you see. What should it do in us? It should give us a softness for the world. We should want to take this message out into the world. And you disciples, when you see the world and they're not listening to you, it should make you want to take the gospel to them even more. They can't help themselves. They don't know God, says Jesus. And fourthly, in verses 22 to 25, he says the world has no excuse for their hatred. They have no excuse for their hatred. Jesus says, verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Now, we know from Genesis that every person is born into sin, right? We know that. But even more so, there is no excuse because Jesus Christ came he lived among people for so many years. He did all these amazing deeds before the world. He lived among them. He witnessed. They witnessed his works. They heard his words. The news of his death and his resurrection spread right around the known world then. The calendar was even changed accordingly. He left his messengers behind in the world. You and I, if we're believers, and we speak out the gospel message, and despite all that Jesus has, has done and had done then, the world still hates God. And therefore, he says, they have no excuse before him. Did this catch God by surprise? Was he suddenly surprised when no one was listening to his son? No. It was prophesied long ago, way back in Genesis, remember? Way back in Genesis. When he was speaking about Satan, he said, one will come who will walk. What? Do you know Genesis? No, no, no. What will the heel? He will strike him on the heel. Satan will strike him on the heel, but he will crush his head. There is an Old Testament prophecy that the Son of Man would come, the Messiah would come, who would um, bring salvation to people. The Psalms prophesied about this. Isaiah prophesied about this. Jeremiah prophesied about this in the Old Testament. Didn't catch God by surprise. He knew people wouldn't listen to his son. Even though his son was only bringing good into this world. And so Jesus says to them, that's your reality. Sorry, it's not good news, but that is going to be the reality when I'm no longer here. So how are you to respond as my followers? He says to his disciples. Well, look at the encouragement. And you and I can find encouragement in this too. Verses 26 to 27. What is encouragement, he says? It's not, not all doom and gloom, he says. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. Take note. Who is sending who from who? Jesus, the Son, is sending the Helper, the Spirit, from the Father. Do you see the Trinity at work? The Trinity is going to be with you, says Jesus. The Father, who sent His Spirit, 
We will be with you. There's a helper for you. It's not all gloom and bad news. I will send you the one from the Father. He is the Spirit of truth. And he will testify about me. And therefore, with his help, you too can testify about me. Yes, even in the face of the world's anger. You have a helper. Secondly, Jesus says in chapter 16, verse 1 to 3, he says, you can be kept from stumbling. Note the order of the words there. Be kept from stumbling. You see, we need outside help because if the Spirit wasn't there and the opposition, whoops, comes against us, we would stumble. I didn't do that deliberately, by the way. We would stumble because humanly we're just not strong enough. When you see the wind and the waves of opposition coming against us, our whole family turning against us, our colleagues who do not longer want to speak to us, a strange man who had a fine conversation with me walking away because I'm a pastor, I could stumble because of that and have this whole crisis. But he will send his helper to me, who will help me to look and to fix my eyes back on Jesus Christ again. He will help me to testify about him again. And so, when I'm feeling weak and vulnerable, I don't have to stumble. The the Helper is there for me. A beautiful old hymn was written, and these are the words you'll note well. He will strengthen and help you and cause you to stand, upheld by my strong and omnipotent hand. That's what he means here. The Trinity will help, he says to his disciples. And yes, the world will ostracize you and they'll push you aside. And even those who hold on to religion instead of a true relationship with God will force you out of the synagogues and out of the places of worship and they will justify their actions by saying that they're actually serving God by doing so. And that's exactly what happened. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 5. And there are many more instances where after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ were expelled They were excommunicated from the Jewish social life because the Jewish social life was centralized around the synagogue. And if you didn't go to the synagogue, you were cut off from social life. And so they were pushed aside. They were viewed as worse than pagans because they were seen as traitors by their friends, by their family. They were seen as dead by their family. They lost their jobs. They would have been exiled. They were stoned. They lost the honourable burial because once when someone walked away from the faith, they weren't allowed to be buried with the rest of their family. They had to be buried outside of the city. That was big those days. We don't think much of it today. It was big. They were imprisoned. They were killed. And some of them did it because they thought they were honouring God. Here's a really classic example that you can think of immediately. Paul, Saul, Paul, who first was Saul, what did he do? He crucified Christians. He hunted Christians down for the sake of God. And while he was busy stoning Stephen, he was holding the cloaks. In other words, giving his permission to those who were stoning to do what is right in the name of God. Stone him. And that spoke to Paul so long after. It haunted him in a way because he came to God with that time and time again. And the Holy Spirit 
kept Paul from stumbling further by saving him. God saved the chief of sinners and turned him into one who would become one of the chief apostles. And thirdly, Jesus says to his disciples, remember my words. When I'm no longer with you, verse 4 of chapter 16, then remember my words. You are not alone. God the Helper will be with you. The whole power of the Trinity will be with you. So continue to be my witnesses. And as you go, remember what I have taught you. Remember. We're so quick to forget, you see. And Jesus reminds his followers, remember my words. Well, how does that apply to us now as we come into this next Easter of 2015? Here's another Easter in front of us. Friday is Easter Friday, and then Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This is a time when we remember Jesus Christ and he was hated so much by, by humanity that they actually put him to death to get rid of him. But let's be remembered, uh, reminded again of why, of how we can have a right response to this time. You see, and I'm going to repeat this statement, Easter is a time of remembrance of Jesus' selfless sacrifice for us, but it's also a time for a reality check on how we are living in light of that sacrifice. And so, yes, during this Easter time, we remember Jesus died on the cross for me. He rose again on the third day. Yes, we remember that. Those are the most important things to remember. But at the same time, it is a time of a reality check for us. Yes, he did that. But how am I now living as a witness in light of that reality? Am I still following him faithfully? Every single Easter, we should be asking ourselves, am I still following Jesus Christ. And so it's a time of reminder for you and I as we come to this time of the year. And so when you are living life as a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ and when your good or the good message you bring is turned to anger, remember the following things. Three things I want you to remember as our so what. First one is don't be surprised. You will be hated. You will be hated. Don't be surprised when it happens. You see, when someone turns against us, we've given them this good message and they walk away or say all kinds of bad words at you, then we kind of take it personally. Well, it's not about you. It's about the one who the world hates. It's about your leader. You're not unique when you're suffering. Christ suffered before you. There are others in other countries who are suffering so much more than you. So you've been warned. Don't be surprised. Secondly is, understand the world's anger. When the world rejects you and your message, when they turn against you in anger, they are, they are acting because they are lost in their sin. Understand that. No, they are not going to understand what you're saying because their eyes are still closed. The Spirit hasn't made it light in them. They are still under the deception of Satan. They can't help themselves in a way. They are acting true to their natures. They hate God. And so they won't listen to you. But how should we react? We should have compassion on them. We should weep over the lost. We should weep over those who are sheep who need the saving grace of the great shepherd of the sheep. We should weep over them. We should bring our message out to them more clearly. We should persevere with our message. 
They need the light. They need the hope of eternal life. And so we need to put the gospel message before them over and over again. And when they reject you, come back to them. Try a different approach. Get a different tract. And love them. And have compassion on them. But the problem is we don't, you see. First rebuff we get, we walk away. Oh well. Try someone else. The Bible says, come back to them. Are they not as lost as the next one? Have compassion. They need the saving gospel message. Be the bearer of light. Be the bringer of good news. Use the media in front of you. Use Facebook. Use the papers. Use adverts. Use tracts. Speak to people. But bring the gospel before people. And some will push you away. I still remember the man in Auckland at Easter time giving him a tract about Easter. And he took it from me. He was friendly. He took it from me. He looked at it. He saw his thumb was touching the cross. He threw it down on the ground and there was anger all over the ground, all over his face. He said, now look what you've done. You've made me touch that cross. I remember that. I won't forget that. And I think that man will remember his reaction one day if he is not saved. I pray he's saved. He will remember his reaction for a long time. Because there was a moment where he could have had the good news. We need to go back to those people who push out against us. We need to pray continuously for people. We need to pray continuously for our family members who still do not know the Lord until they come to the Lord. We need to be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. And I know some of you have been praying for lost family members for 40 plus years. Continue praying. They might get saved on 41 years. We don't know. But the Lord says, continue. They are lost. They need the saving gospel. Pray for them. Pray that the Spirit would break through their darkness and bring life. Persevere for the sake of Jesus Christ. Look what He did for you. He went up onto that cross. He was nailed onto that cross. You and I should have been enduring those nails. He did it on our behalf. Would we not now persevere for Jesus Christ in our easy lives? He will help us. His helper is there for us. We need to depend on this helper, His Spirit. We're not alone, you see. When you think you're alone, you're not alone if you're a believer. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Trinity is with you through the Spirit. And so lean on Jesus. Lean on the Spirit. Remember Jesus' words and then go and do what He sent you out to do. That's what our reaction should be at this Easter time. It's a reminder that we've got business to do for Jesus Christ. We are not here to have comfortable lives. He died on a cross so that I didn't have to die. I must work for Him. The Apostle Paul encouraged us through these words and I've put the verses up here for you. The first one is this one, Second Timothy. I endure all things. Take note of that inclusive term. I endure all things for what? For the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ and with it eternal glory. I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ and with it eternal glory. And how do I do that? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Where is my strength? In Christ Jesus. You see, when you and I understand why the world hates us, when they understand why they, when we understand why they hate our message, then we can continue to do good. We can continue to speak out because we have the message they must hear. So persevere. And when the good you bring results in anger, remember that their anger will be turned to good through Jesus Christ. You see the reverse happening? When your good is turned to anger in them, remember that Jesus Christ, and we'll be celebrating that next Sunday, He turned their anger to good. But you and I have a part to play in that. And so, you need to pray this week, Lord Jesus, we're coming up to Easter again, who would you have me speak to this week? Who would you have me be a witness to this week? Who would you have look into my life and see Jesus Christ? Lord, help me not to stumble. Help me not to push it aside. Help me not to make excuses this week. But help me to stand, to persevere, to be a strong, clear witness for Jesus Christ. You died in my place so that I could be saved. Lord, use me for your glory, I pray. And the Spirit will be with you. Lord, our Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning is that we would not, as believers, get caught up in all the hype of Easter eggs and Easter buddies and all the commercialism of Easter. Because it's so easy to get swallowed up. But Lord, may we remember a Saviour who sacrificed Himself, who went through the worst of what people could throw at Him. Yes, He endured death. For our sakes. And then he rose again on the third day to free us so that we could in turn serve him on this earth as his messengers. Lord, may we be reminded once again of our prime task on this earth. And that is to persevere with the message of the gospel and to live out Jesus Christ to a lost world around us. Lord, help us to stand strong in you. And then you will 